want Valerie and uh, Libby. Hey guys, so we are so excited to be able to speak to you guys tonight and talk um, a little bit through God's word and what that means in our own lives. So just to reintroduce myself, my name is Libby Myers. I am a senior, double majoring in communication studies and Spanish. So a little bit about me, I am a big fan of the new Star Trek movies. And I'm a huge PBS nerd, so anything PBS, I am on board. I also have an unreal love for beagles. Like, I'm just obsessed with them. They're the cutest dog, and you will not convince me otherwise. So the last thing that you should probably know about me is a little fun fact that I actually have a rock in this eyebrow. So if you want the story, hit me up after crew. I'll tell you the dramatic version. <laughs> And my name is Valerie Eddy, and I'm a senior nursing major. Um, I have a special love for two things, America and old people. So, <laughs> yes, if any of you, it doesn't look like it, but if any of you invited your grandparents tonight, I would love to meet them after this. Or if any of you invited your parents and you think that they're old, I would also <laughs> like to meet them. Um, Anyway, in all seriousness, we are really excited to uh, be here with you guys tonight and just speak to you. I'm going to ask that you join me in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the opportunity to speak and share from your word this evening. I pray that you would use this time to humble over all of our hearts before you so that we would become aware of the things in our lives that are keeping us from experiencing true fellowship with you. I ask that your Holy Spirit would speak through us and that our words would be glorifying to you. Amen. So, Libby and I have a lot of practice with the topic that we are going to be addressing tonight, which is biblical accountability within the Christian community. Um, throughout the course of our friendship, Libby, we have found that Libby is very good at holding me accountable for one thing, telling me when my breath stinks. <laughs> so, one time we were riding um, on a bus at the airport late at night, and Libby turns to me, looking very serious. She says, your breath stinks. And then she turns away. And I lovingly respond, Libby, sometimes I want to shove pine cones up your nose. <laughs> she was ruthless and I was rude. But um, that's, in all seriousness, like, that's a funny situation, but this isn't what we're actually talking about um, in relationship to accountability. Um, but I think we can all relate to being judgmental or harsh in the way that we approach accountability or we could just not want the input in our lives at all. So maybe you're here tonight and you're having roommate conflict. Um, you've been avoiding a conversation that you don't want to discuss, discuss the situation, or you're being called out for acting passive aggressively. Or maybe you're the type of person that tells everyone else what they're doing wrong and you're not really concerned about your own relationship with God. But we have all sinned and fall short and often we may be aware, unaware of the sin in our own hearts and lives, which makes it necessary for another brother or sister to come and interject wisdom and correction into our lives. So tonight we're going to be talking a little bit about biblical accountability and how it can help us draw closer in our relationship with the Lord. One important distinction that we do want to make um, in, dressing, in addressing this topic tonight is that accountability is not about legalism or doing the right thing versus the wrong thing. It's about helping each other as we strive to build a re stronger relationship with Christ 
And sinful behavior, as described in the Bible, does just the opposite of that. It drives us further from Christ. It's also about loving each other as a Christian community. We hold one another accountable because we care about each other, and it's a loving thing to point people away from their sin and towards a loving and gracious Savior. And while we are fully forgiven for our sins, we are called to walk in holiness as Christians. So we are set apart from the world to be transformed by the Spirit. In Romans 6, 1, verses 1 and 2, says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? But in order to grow in holiness and obedience, we need support from our Christian community. I think we will all admit that we're often incapable of holding ourselves accountable. Let's talk about the honors thesis that I have had an entire semester to finish, and I literally didn't start it until the weekend it was due. Only the grace of the God got me through that. <laughs> so, as a part of the body of Christ, accountability is something I think we all can acknowledge um, is important, but we could all use more teaching on um, about how that plays out in our lives. So I think something really true that John Piper said is that everyone says they want community and friendship, but mention accountability or commitment to people and they run the other way. How true is that? We talk so much about community as Christians and the way we lean on each other, but do we really? How can we help each other in our own struggles against sin if we're unwilling to confront the problem? This is the purpose and the importance of accountability, that we would be able to address the sin in our own lives um, because sin is what hinders our relationship and fellowship with the Lord. By practicing accountability and being aware of our sin, we are able to love Christ more and walk better in relationship and holiness with him. But in considering where our weaknesses lie whenever talking about accountability, I think there are three main problems that we struggle with. So the first one would be that we just don't practice it. The second would be that maybe we do practice it, but we take the wrong approach. And the third being that maybe we respond poorly to being held accountable. So the first topic that we're going to address is actually practicing accountability and the importance of that. So scripture does tell us that it is loving to address the sin in your brother or sister's life. Yeah, Ecclesiastes 4, 10 and 11 says, but woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? The scripture tells us two things. One, we will fall, and two, when we do, we need one another. For the sake of the body, we are called to speak the truth to one another, including the reality of sin that exists in our lives. Ephesians 4.25 says, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are all members of one another. And Proverbs 4.27.5 and 6 reminds us that, Better is open rebuke than hidden love, and faithful are the wounds of a friend, profuse are the kisses of an enemy. I want you to consider that. How well are you loving your brother or sister if you're watching them walk in sin? Is it better to love them silently and justify their sinfulness as normal? 
Or is it better to rebuke your brother and have the chance to open the door for reconciliation, sanctification, and just an overall outward active demonstration of your love for them? And I've definitely experienced this in my own life, the idea of not wanting to practice accountability because it's not fun. Have you ever felt that weird, unspoken awkwardness between you and a friend or a roommate where you feel like something isn't quite right but you just can't pinpoint what the problem is? That was me recently. Um, There wasn't any open conflict between us. We were still acting cordial, acting normally, um, but I think our hearts were in a much different place. My pride and competitive spirit had become a defense mechanism towards her insecurities and the jealousy that she was feeling. But even as I I became aware of my sinfulness, um, I was unwilling to confess that sin and unwilling to address it. Instead, it took obedience on her part to the Lord to come to me and humbly confess the sin that was in her life regarding the situation before I was even willing to confess my sin. And for a long time, we were living in that hidden love that was um, talked about in Proverbs rather than rebuking one another. But when we were willing to talk about it and address it with one another um, and the truth of our sinfulness, it helped us both walk more closely with the Lord in holiness and deepen our own relationship with one another. So we see in scripture where we are given the command of holding one another accountable. Um, And so I want us to look at a example of how this is actually practiced in scripture. So if you have your Bible or your phone, go ahead and turn to 2 Samuel 12. And I'm going to give a little bit of a preamble and then we'll get back to chapter 12. So 2 Samuel 11, um, in 2 Samuel 11, David, who is now the king of Israel, sees a married woman named Bathsheba. And he thinks she's really beautiful. So even though she's married and he has plenty of wives at this point, he sends for her and sleeps with her. Soon, she tells him she's pregnant. So David decides to deal with this situation by sending Uriah, who is Bathsheba's husband, to the front lines of war to ensure that he is killed. After Uriah's death, David marries her. Scripture then says, but the thing David had done displeased the Lord. So in Samuel, 2 Samuel 12, we see the Lord calling and instructing Nathan to hold even the king of Israel accountable. So reading verses 1 through 9, scripture says, The Lord sent Nathan to David. When he came to him, he said, There were two men in a certain town, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb he had bought. He raised it, and it grew up with him and his children. It shared his food, drank from his cup, and even slept in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. Now a traveler came to the rich man, but the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare a meal for the traveler who had come to him. Instead, he took the ewe lamb that belonged to the poor man and prepared it for the one who had come to him. David burned with anger against the man and said to Nathan, As surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this must die. He must pay for that lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. Then Nathan said to David, You are that man. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I anointed you over Israel, and I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave your master's house to you, and your master's wives into your arms. I gave you all Israel and Judah. And if all this had been too little, I would have given you even more. 
Why did you despise the word of the Lord by doing what is evil in his own eyes? You struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and took his wife to be your own. You killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. Finally, in verse 13, we see David recognize his sin and repent. Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan replied, The Lord has taken away your sin. You are not going to die. But because by doing this you have shown utter contempt for the Lord, the son born to you will die. I think it's important to acknowledge that if David, a man who is said to be after God's own heart, was able to be blinded to his own sin of murdering another man to steal his wife, then what areas of our own life are we blinded to? We may tell ourselves that we are self-aware of our own weaknesses, our own flaws, our own sin struggles, but scripture tells us that there are always pockets of sin in our hearts about which we lie to ourselves. So we see that sometimes we do just straight up fail to practice accountability, but sometimes we actually do practice it and we just do it poorly. We might pass judgment instead of offering grace or we may try to offer justification of the sin so that pointing it out doesn't seem so um, harsh. Um, so how do we go about practicing an accountability and how do we approach our brothers and sisters about the sin in their lives? Um, and to do this, the first thing that we need to do is to prepare our hearts. And just as Nathan was sent by the Lord to um, rebuke David, we as Christians have the gift of the Holy Spirit from which we receive an awareness of sin. And as believers, we're accountable to the conviction of the Holy Spirit's, accountable to the Holy Spirit's conviction of the sin in our lives. Um, and the scripture also tells us not to quench the Spirit. So in terms of accountability to others, we need to first become aware of our own sinfulness. And Matthew 7 talks about um, that we must first take, take the plank from our own eye before we address the speck in our brother's eye. And this takes daily confession of our sins and prayer that the Holy Spirit would make us aware of our sin so that we can address the speck in a righteous manner. And as prideful humans, I think that our initial response to other's sin is often passing judgment. But Romans 14.10 tells us, why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. Sin is truly the great equalizer and we're all deserving of spiritual death and we will all be standing before the throne of God. So in order to prepare our hearts well for holding our brothers and sisters accountable, we need to first ask and allow the Holy Spirit to convict us of our own sins so that we can walk better in holiness. And in addition to praying that for our own hearts, we also need to invite the Holy Spirit into the practice of accountability with others. So if we see a friend that is walking in sin and we feel that it should be pointed out, um, but don't ask the Holy Spirit for guidance. We're acting in our own power to take control of the situation. And when we're walking in our own power, we're missing out on being able to experience and utilize the fruits that the Holy Spirit can produce in our lives. Praying for the Holy Spirit to work allows us to practice accountability in love and gentleness. Galatians 6, 1 and 2 says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. But keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. It is important to recognize that, in contrast to practicing accountability and encouraging others in holiness, we often fall into the temptation of encouraging sinful behavior, um, and we even sometimes participate in the sin. 
We encourage gossip, we encourage crude humor, and we join in drunkenness and debauchery. And this demonstrates a lack of reciprocal accountability. Yeah. So in Ephesians 4, verse 32, it says, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God and Christ forgave you. So as you'll notice, it doesn't mention anywhere um, in any of these verses we've talked about that it's our duty to judge our brother and sisters, but out of love, we are called to help each other along in this race of endurance. So I have been personally blessed with a discipler in my life, Sarah Lowry, who holds me accountable for the sake of my relationship with Christ. At one point last semester, I knew that I had hurt my sister's feelings, and I talked with Sarah about the situation, and she could see that it was only my pride holding me back from apologizing and addressing the situation. And so she encouraged me to talk to my sister and ask for her forgiveness. As a result, um, because of this encouragement and accountability, I was able to die to my own pride and ask for forgiveness from my sister, resolving the situation. So Sarah didn't call out my sin um, out of legalism, but in order to challenge me in my walk with the Lord. Accountability isn't about rules or telling everyone what they're doing wrong, or, um, but instead it is about hearing the call to righteousness and working as a body to help each other grow more like Christ. Humility in this is crucial because you can be sure that just as your brother or sister sins in one area, you are just as sin sinful in some other aspect. So this also means that it is important for us to be prepared to forgive. And Luke 17, 3 says, if your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. So lastly, um, I would say when a brother or sister approaches us, one of our other problems is that we also can respond poorly to being held accountable. Um, so what steps can we take to not only make it easier for our fellow Christians to approach us, but to facilitate these conversations in a way that is going to help us grow in Christ-likeness and grow in the fruits of the Spirit? We should listen well when we're approached. James 1.19 says, Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. In Proverbs 12 verse 15 says the way of a fool is right in his own eyes but a wise man listens to advice our hearts are not conditioned by today's society to being open to being held accountable but in a manner contrary to the world we need to continually be aware of our own sinfulness as this is what reminds us of our need for a savior it's also important to acknowledge that others are sometimes able to see sin in our own lives that um, we can't see. So it shows wisdom and maturity to listen when we're approached. And not only should we just be listening with like a blank mind, we should be listening <laughs> eagerly and without contempt or disregard for what they're saying. Um, Hebrews 13, 7, 17 says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. And this verse isn't only applicable to interactions between um, Christians and leaders, but also just all of us who are part of the body. And we all know how easy it is to respond defensively to the acknowledge of our, acknowledgement of our sin, because we are prideful. 
Um, and it's also really easy to retreat inward to ourselves in shame about the sin that's being brought into the light. But it's only through confession and acknowledgement of that, our, of that sin that we can grow. Um, it's a process of confessing, repenting, and asking for prayer. And James 5.16 says, Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man has great power as it is working. And this true confession will involve a lot of humility. We'd like to be able to shrink away from our sin that's being brought into the surface, but just as we confess our sinfulness to a loving Lord to accept grace and forgiveness, we can also confess these sins to other believers who are pointing out our sin to love us and offer grace and forgiveness. So we've looked at those areas that we struggle in in practicing accountability. Um, so finally, we're going to look at some results of what happens when we practice this. Um, first, we're simply practicing obedience to the Lord. We're given instruction in Scripture to rebuke our brothers and sisters and do it in love. So acting in obedience is something that will draw you closer in fellowship with the Lord, and this should always be our ultimate priority. Next, we get to experience that grace and forgiveness, and we also get to offer it. And it's important that within the body of Christ that we remind one another of the grace and forgiveness that have been given to us on the cross through the ways that we interact with one another. And finally, another result of practicing accountability would be that our relationships will deepen and mature. Um, and it's not a fun and easy thing to do, but our relationship with those whom you hold accountable and who you're accountable to will deepen in the ways that we're seeing the sin that's holding us back from intimacy with Christ. And we get to encourage one another out of that sin and back into holiness. And I also believe that we're going to mature in our Christian walk. Um, and this comes as we begin to use the power that has been given to us by the Holy Spirit. So just as we're encouraged to turn from our sin into a deeper relationship with Christ, we will know more of who he is and become more like him. So as we wrap up tonight, um, for anyone here who doesn't consider themselves a Christian, we are so glad that you're here, and I hope through this talk you have been able to grasp the importance of what it means to have a relationship with Jesus and the weight of our sin that separates us from him. Um, but through him, we are forgiven for our sins through Christ who loves us and died to reconcile us in fellowship and relationship with him. So thank you.